CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything, lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, it's just at Kinsey Elizabeth. I release new episodes every Thursday, so hope to see you there. Hello, everybody. This is Helen Johannesson, the owner of Helen's Wines, the little tiny gem box wine shop in Los Angeles, inside of the restaurant, John and Vinny's. And this is my podcast, Wine Face. I'm going to be breaking down all the ins and outs, the little snackable tidbits, making wine feel accessible and hopefully a little bit more fun. I've been obsessed with food and wine since forever, basically. And so I am here to share with you everything that myself and some of the other experts around me know. Maybe you love food and wine. Maybe you want to impress your friends. Either way, I am here for you. If you want to find me in person, you can find me at Helen's Wines in LA. Can't really find me in person right now because it's quarantine times, COVID-19 times, but I'll curbside with you. No problem. You can follow along online at Helen's Wines or helenswines.com. We ship all of our wine nationally. That's what's up. Join the wine club. Before the quarantine happened and before we even knew there was going to be a quarantine, I recorded a super cool episode with a woman that I admire in the food and beverage industry. She's such a badass. She and her husband, Chris, have started a group of restaurants, Thai restaurants in Los Angeles called Night Market. Sarah Yembaurong is my guest today. And Chris and Sarah have really literally taken the culinary world by storm in LA. They're super talented. She's amazing. And she has written a, such beautiful wine list for each of their restaurants. So Take a listen, how it all got started, how it all began, how they built this little mini empire. And we're going to be getting an update from Sarah. We'll tag it in the beginning about where she's at, what they're doing now during the quarantine, how they're pivoting, just like all of us. I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Hi, Helen. It feels like eons ago that we were chatting face to face. I'm super thankful that you've continued to release your podcast episodes. You know, I listen to podcasts while I'm driving and I've been doing 
lots of driving these days. Even though we're temporarily shut down at night market, we're still delivering wine to people. And it's been a great way to stay connected to our customers. And you know, I'm also seeing pockets of LA that I've never seen before. I went to Manhattan Beach the other day, and then when I drove back home, I drove along the ocean and it was pretty calming. You know, I guess I'm looking for any bit of silver lining I can find these days. You know, when you run a business, there's always something work-related that could take priority over your personal life. I could either review the front of house schedule or I could organize my pantry at home. Or for example, I could go buy extra rubber floor mats for the upcoming rain forecast, or I could vacuum my house so the dog first stops making me sneeze. You know that life, I'm sure. <laughs> now I'm tackling all of these personal tasks that I've put on the back burner and it feels really good. I feel that because I'm taking care of myself and these personal things, I can work smarter when we do reopen the restaurants. You know, I'm like starting from a solid foundation instead of restarting from a place where I feel like I'm drowning or underwater constantly. In you know, with this sort of pause, if you will, I'm also resting and eating real meals for the first time in a long time. You know, when we were open, breakfast was, you know, typically a handful of cashews or a protein bar and lunch with a smoothie at Beverly Juice or a salad in the car from Sweet Green. And dinner was when I would go hard. You know, that's when I would actually eat, you know, like a decadent meal at Felix or, you know, doing some quality control session at night market with a bottle of wine. Dinners were always really heavy for me. And now I eat three normal meals a day, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it feels pretty good. I know that's a funny thing to say, but it feels good. But I, I do miss, you know, the restaurant life. I miss our staff. You know, I miss our, our restaurant family. You know, my birthday is coming up this month and, you know, one of the cooks every year makes me this dessert and it's the flaky roti bread with lots of ice cream, condensed milk and cashews on top. And, you know, I miss tasting wine with reps. I miss meeting new customers and seeing regulars. I, you know, I even miss dealing with those difficult folks who insist on having something to eat that we 86 years ago. But even though the world is going to look different, I have faith that folks will continue to crave hospitality. You know, that feeling of being taken care of. It's a total high. I know I crave it right now. I want someone to walk me through a tasting menu with the wine pairings, or I want to dig into a Jersey marinero while watching Courtney bang out some pasta in that John and Benny's kitchen. But, you know, until then, I'll just wait. You know, it's it's not the end of the world that I'm missing those things. Um, I think it's important to wait a little bit longer until it's safe, you know. I'll just, you know, keep practicing my French and cleaning my garage until I can go back to the restaurant or I can go back to supporting my friends' restaurants. I just think it's important to stay safe now and, you know, take care of myself and take care of my husband and my dog um, and just remain as healthy as I possibly can so that everybody else around me can be healthy. Um, I hope you're being healthy and you're taking good care of yourself. Yeah, I hope you have a uh, an okay quarantine. Thanks for having me on the show. It was uh, a real treat considering I was a fan first and listened to your shows and now I get to be a part of it. So thank you for that. All right, thanks, Helen. Bye.
Ah, it's a beautiful national drink, wine day. What better day? I'm so excited to have Sarah Yembang-Rung in the studio. Hi, Helen. Hi, Sarah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so I've known Sarah for maybe six or seven years. That sounds about right. Right? Yeah. Maybe 10. Who knows? Who's counting? We're getting younger. The older is the new younger. But Sarah is amazing, and she owns three restaurants in L.A. and an art gallery— Night Market, Mm -hmm. the mothership name for all three restaurants, right? Yes. Okay, cool. But then they all have little, like, cute sidekick names. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's like an umbrella that they all fall under is Night Market. I love it. And you and your husband, Chris, Mm -hmm. just giving the people out there context. Because we're in 27 countries, so they might not know what Night Market is. Congratulations. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I'm throwing these facts around. All of a sudden, I started sweating and getting nervous. There's literally two people in those 27 countries listening because I see the optics. No, I'm just kidding. So it's not, you know, a lot of people in L.A. know Night Market is, like, beloved by everybody here. I'm obsessed with it. The food is, like, heroin for my teeth. They can't get enough of the flavor. And so you own it with your husband, Chris. Yes. Yam Bam Room. Yes. I love it. (laughs) Can you tell, because like what's so fascinating and one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you today and have you on is Sarah has this really interesting trajectory of she worked in fashion, editorial. Why don't you tell us, how did you get into the restaurant hospitality business? Because when I first met you, you were not. No. You were in fashion. Right. Well, I met Chris when I was living in New York after college. Oh. I was at the time, uh, writing for the Huffington Post. I was going to the same two bars every night after work, meeting up with my girlfriends, (laughs) Um, going to one place to get burgers and beer, and then the next place to go drinking and dancing. Nice. And one of those those routine evenings, I met Chris. uh, And the place is called Corner Bistro. Oh, yeah. I've been there. (laughs) You're a New Yorker. Shout out Corner Bistro. Just good burgers, good I think at the time, the beers were $2.75. A lot has changed. But we sort of kept in touch afterwards. I knew he was in Los Angeles. I was living in New York. And over time, I fell for him. And I (laughs) left New York to be in Los Angeles with him. Luckily, Ariana Huffington of the Huffington Post was incredibly supportive of my move. Casual. Very casual. casual. Ariana Huffpo. She was, she gave me all these recommendations for places to eat. It was like Chaconis and like spots (laughs) I still haven't been to yet. But she was. Craig's. Exactly. Right across the street. Still haven't been. We should all go. We should all go. (laughs) In honor of Ariana Huffington. Yeah. But we drove out together from New York to Los Angeles. And that was about nine years ago. And I continued writing for the Huffington Post for three months. And then I got scooped up by Refinery29. That's right. That's when I met you, I think. And Refinery29 was just the floodgates opening. I met everyone from Helen, from Animal, (laughs) John and Vinny's, et cetera, et cetera. I met artists and designers and just loads and loads of people through this job. And I, I mean, I loved it. It was such a fun way to get to know Los Angeles. I'd never been before. And my boyfriend was working all the time because <laughs> at that point, Night Market was just this tiny annex off of his parents' restaurant. I remember. Yeah. It was so, like, <laughs> renegade. I was like, what is happening? It was so dope. It was, I mean, it was a really fun time where we were sort of just doing whatever we wanted and we were throwing things at the wall and seeing what's stuck. And when you only have 10 customers a night, you can 
talk to every single one of them and say, what do you think about this cow soy? What do you think about this sausage? And yeah, it was really renegade. It was like really grassroots at that time. And the only way I would be able to hang out with my boyfriend was if I showed up at the restaurant when he was starting work because mm. my deadlines were just ending at around four o'clock in the afternoon. And as the restaurant started getting busier and busier, I would hop off the bar stool and greet people. And all of a sudden I was the host every night. Oh my God. And then guests would ask for like, I don't know, some like a cocktail that I'd never heard of. So I'd Google it on my phone <laughs> and I'd make cocktails behind the bar. And, oh my God. And it just everything. I have I, chills, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Story giving me chills. But I just learned everything on the job because I had no, I didn't even waitress in high school. I never, you, you came out at no hospitality. No, no, no restaurant work. My parents were in retail. And they had their own shops. So, so customer-facing. Right. You're not would, scared of people. No. And yeah. I would I would see my mom. I would go with my mother to the, like, Javits Center to pick out stuff for the following season. And she'd say stuff like, oh, Meryl's really going to love this piece. I'm going to make sure I grab this in her size. And I saw that, you know, attention to detail when it came to her customers. Mm. And I think I sort of brought some of that to the restaurant in a way. I would remember people. I'd be like, oh, how's your dog? Or, oh. you know, things like that. And It's L.A. People love dog talk. Right. They love Netflix talk and dog talk. <laughs> what have you watched recently is, like, the oh best God. conversation starter in Los <laughs> Angeles. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, and then I just kept going and going. And it was nice because as I was doing that, the restaurants were getting busier and busier. But I was still doing Refinery29, and I would— invite like designers and you know artists and these people to night market to conduct these interviews for the website I'd be like hey meet me at this place night market you know (laughs) it's like just downstairs from Soho house (laughs) like we'll have a glass of wine you'll taste some you know Thai food and we'll talk there I knew it was quiet (laughs) we didn't have any customers (laughs) at the time and it was like I got to introduce some really cool people to the restaurant this way and then they became customers. At the time, I didn't realize that it was like a great business. It's never yeah. apparent. It's no. always those instinctual things where you're like, seems like a good idea to do this because right. it's convenient <laughs> and dope and like I'm comfortable. Right. And yeah. then people are like, stroke of marketing genius. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> if someone from Forbes or any of these like Wired or whatever these magazines are, they talk to business owners like, how did you come up with that concept? I was like, I knew that there was good parking. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bottom line. We are going to take a quick break from this scintillating combo with Sarah to hear from one of my sponsors. Be right back. I am absolutely in love with my favorite subscription. You might think it's to The New Yorker, but it's not. If you haven't heard about Causebox by now, it is a quarterly, which I'm saying four times a year, subscription box curated by women for women that is filled with all sorts of amazing products and brands that have a positive mission to give back and make the world better. I mean, what's not to like about that? Bomb.com. The last four boxes sold out within days, which I can believe because what you're getting in a cause box is you get $250 worth of products for less than $50. And every cause box is limited edition. It comes with six to eight full-size products. None of this travel size BS. You can get everything from skincare and jewelry to homewares and accessories. And the amazing thing about Causebox is that it's not filled with random stuff because it's not random stuff. They send quality products that you're going to love and actually use every day. I got my own sample box and here's some of the stuff that was in it. Okay. 
first of all, the coolest sort of duffel tote bag. And it's in chic stripes, sort of like a gray and a white. It's very on trend for spring. I also got a Bentigo. Now I've raved about this Bentigo and here's why. It makes packing food, especially if you're going to take the food with you, super organized. It's chic. It's compact. It's easy to wash. I just love it. This like heavenly sunscreen that you barely feel touch your face. Like it's from France. I was like, what the hell is going on? And I haven't had any spots show up. I put it on my arms. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm getting sun all the time. Those are probably my favorite, favorite things. There was really cool jewelry. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I just got to say, those are just the highlights. It also comes with an exclusive magazine that tells the story and mission behind each product in the box. I did get this for myself, but I would get it for my mom, my sisters, Mother's Day, my friends. It's really my new favorite subscription. I'm loving seeing my listeners getting their cause boxes. If you get one, please tag me. I'm serious. Tag me. Let me know what your favorite products are. The best part is that, of course, I got my listeners an exclusive discount code. All you got to do is go to causebox.com backslash wineface and use the code wineface to get your first box for 30% off. As in, aka, you get your first box worth of over $250 plus of products for less than $39 and free shipping. No brainer. If you haven't gotten your cause box yet, go check it out before they sell out. I'll tell you firsthand, I really love it. Honest to God, causebox.com backslash wineface. Use the code wineface. Enjoy it. All right, y'all. And now back to my conversation with Sarah. I mean, it's such a fascinating thing for me. Like what I love about it is that you had a natural affinity for it and you naturally fell in love with it, which is like anybody who should be in this business goes mm. through that at, at some stage. Like some people, it's from the very beginning inception right. of working and some people it comes later. Right. But the most important is like the passion. The mm. like, I can't not mix this drink, this rusty right. nail. Right. What the fuck is it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like people would come in and be like, oh, I went to another Thai restaurant and I had a spicy margarita and I'd have to run into the kitchen, into the walk-in or whatever and grab salt and like, limes and things like that. And I was just, there's no such thing as I can't do that in the restaurant. It's like, you have to be solutions oriented. And it's like, I used to tell my, you know, my grandmother when she was still alive, I'd call her on the phone when I was going, when I was driving between three restaurants and she'd be like, just tell me about last night's service. And I'd be like, well, like I had to fix the toilet. And and then uh, a customer lost a really important set of keys. So I had to go dumpster diving for 45 minutes. And she's like, wow, it's so glamorous. And I was like, thank you. Thanks, grandma. It was Meryl's keys. I know. (laughs) We got her address. Okay, wait. So I brought three wines just for fun to taste. A skin contact orange wine, a rosé, and a red. The rosé and the red are both from Sicily. I don't know what's going on with me, but no, the first one is Weingutmann, and it's mostly Gewürztraminer. This podcast today is less about the wines, but I thought we should say we should drink, cheers. Right? We yeah. should drink it. It's it's <laughs> wine. It's called Wine Phase. This wine's so good. It's just everything you want in an orange wine. Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's crazy the whole orange wine phenomenon that's happening right now. It's wild. And when we have skin contact and orange wines and macerated wines uh, on our list and we talk about it with the servers, we say like, okay, this is a really good intro skin contact mm-hmm. wine. Yeah. Or this is like, this is for the headies, you know, like this like is baby for baby the- contact. Exactly. It's like different levels of weed. Like exactly. this will super <laughs> yeah, fucked <exactly>. up. <laughs> and this is, this for me is, it's delicious and it's like all of the things I want in skin contact. Like it has- 
you know, a bit of aromatics. It has that sort of salty savoriness mm-hmm. to it. It has texture. It has all those things, but it's not, you know, it's not overwhelmingly so. It's not the dank shit. Mm-mm. Like no. there's, I think it, that's when you get into like 30, 60, 90 day macerations where it's just like, those wines are cool, but they're so specific to food to me. Right. So like I would love to drink one with like the spice, that Thai herb sausage you guys make, but mm-hmm. on its own, I don't know, wines like this to me are just so drinkable. But I think, okay, so what I think people listening to this who don't know you don't realize Okay, Sarah, so you segued into the restaurant world and then segued into Chris used to do all the wine buying. Right. And then then you segued into doing the wine buying. Also, she was nominated for a James Beard Award. Hello. Like, so cool. Super cool. It's really amazing. But tell me and tell everybody, but tell me mostly, that trajectory, like how did you fall in love with wine or how was it a thing where you're like, Chris, I got this. You guys do it together, you Mm -hmm. know, because you guys are so passionate about the winemakers that you support. Mm -hmm. Like how do you build that program, you know, and get yourself in there? What started as just me being like, honey, let me help you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it was like he was so busy and it was getting busier and busier. The restaurants, you know, he was running around between two spots and he was, you know, cooking all the time and training people and there was a lot going going on. And I was like, what's something that I can take off your plate? What's something that I can help you with? And he was like, well, you know what I like wine wise. Why don't you start tasting, you know, with wine wraps and just like, let me know what you think about certain bottles and cuvées Mm -hmm. and, you know, run it by me and I'll let you know if I like it or not. And it was almost like that transition phase never really happened. I just like went full steam ahead (laughs) with it. And it was because I was learning so much in those tastings with reps and distributors that I was just, I went absolutely crazy. It's like, I imagine what it felt like for, you know, my really rich friends growing up when the parents were like, okay, here's the credit card, you know, whatever you wanted, Abercrombie, yeah. go for it. <laughs> and that's how I felt with the wine stuff where, and look, I learned a lot along the way and I made some really stupid mistakes you know, like wines that really had no place on our list, didn't go well with the food I was ordering just because I liked it personally and I wanted to drink it. Um, So I was being a little bit selfish. But we've all been there. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like things like that that I learned. And now when I taste, I have purpose and I go in there with like a really clear vision of what I want on the list now. And Chris at the time, I think he definitely had a clear vision. You know, he loved these winemakers. He adored the style of winemaking that they had. It reminded him a lot of in Thailand, especially like up north in the village that his mother's from, you essentially make one thing really, really well. Right. And you make it from the ground floor of your home Mm. and then you just like go upstairs and go to sleep at night (laughs) and that's what a lot of these winemakers that we bring in that's their life you know they live you know next to their vines they live right above their cellar and they just do one thing really well which is this wine they don't make a lot of it um for varying reasons climate change but they (laughs) just uh (laughs) dropping that in there so everyone's aware yeah i think that really sort of stuck with him and that's why he gravitated towards these winemakers. And then for me, I was, you know, I started tagging along with him to, you know, to Paris and drinking in wine bars. And and we'd go to Barcelona and drink there. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, like this sort of very casual, very, that it's like, of course, you're going to have a glass of wine with lunch, you know, 
are you crazy not right. to? And it's, you know, I mean, I got, <laughs> you know, like we'd go in for lunch. We'd be meeting people for lunch. I remember this and I think it was Paris or something. And I was incredibly hungover from the night before. <laughs> and we sat down and everybody was, you know, drinking. And I like turned to Chris and I was like, I think I need a coffee first. And like one of the French winemakers, he was like, what the fuck? Are you pregnant or something? <laughs> and I was like, I need a moment. Let me let me have some coffee before I start drinking. But that's so French. It's just like every yeah. meal there's wine. Well, the uh, relationship to wine is just completely different than right. it is here. Yeah. And it's also treated with so much more respect. Absolutely. And so I don't think it's looked at as this like, oh, you're drinking wine again, like this taboo thing. Right. Where it's everyone in Paris, I mean, that I know and I'm sure that you know, and maybe it's in our own little bubble of like winemakers we're into and the world we're into because obviously it's kind of niche. Right. It's like, yo, there's nothing wrong with this wine. It's really good. And I've worked so hard. It's like I grew this prize wine Mm -hmm. and let's just fucking drink it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing is that a few of the winemakers that we work with, they call 750 milliliter bottles half bottles and magnums are full <laughs> bottles because that's what they drink on a Tuesday night that's, is a magnum. That's <laughs> amazing. It's intense, but that's how I they think roll. it's just so amazing. Like it really reinforces that you're meant to be where you're at, you know, because right. the information just sort of like layers onto you like a beautiful garment, you know. Mm. I always believe people are really fit with their when information's absorbed super easily. But was it intimidating at all at any point? Because you've carried it with such grace of like, for those who don't know and don't work in the wine world, people can be mean and they can be catty and judgy. And like, if you don't have a certain level of wine education or street cred, like people can be dicks. I try not to be. (laughs) I really, I do. I don't preach that kind of negativity. But was it hard for you in that sense? Like, Totally. Well, first, thank you for saying I handled it with grace. I don't know if Chris would agree with you. You know, coming home sometimes, I'd just be, you know, pounding my head against the wall, just so frustrated because, you know, for example, when I first started tasting, I would book these appointments with wine reps and mostly older white guys. Yeah. And they'd say, where's Chris? Mm Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, no, it's me. I have the credit card right here. Like, I'm yeah. paying. Like, just, why can't <laughs> no, I? I got it. <laughs> yeah, why can't I be the one tasting the wine? And yeah. to this day, I remember the few who were, they never asked me where Chris was. You know, they were just really happy that I was enthusiastic about the the same things they were enthusiastic about. And they let me ask those, like, real basic questions that I didn't feel comfortable asking other people. And I would ask them, I'd be like, can you please tell me one more time, like, how rosé is made? Yeah. You know, like, things like that. Yeah. that. You're embarrassed to admit you don't know. But a few of the reps were just, you know, they welcomed me with open arms. And, like, to this day, I buy a lot of wine from them because— The wine's really good. And, and the wine's awesome. really good. And they, you know, they cared about me. And they cared about my education. And I owe a lot to them. So, like, yeah, in, in that beginning, there was definitely a lot of, like— Chris receiving credit and Chris, you know, everybody like being like, I'm leaving these samples for Chris. And He's I was like, such a genius in the wine. <laughs> and look, yeah, I mean, like the reason I did get into the wine, it was like when we did have a chance to sit down and have dinner together back, you know, back in the old night market days. I remember we'd sit when it was still Talisai and night market side by side, we'd sit at table eight, which was like the prime table. It was the corner <laughs> booth and it was really romantic and all that stuff. And we'd sit there because we didn't have any customers. And <laughs> We'd open a bottle of like 
telco or we'd order, you know, mm. like we would like these just really glue, glue reds from the Loire. Yeah. And I remember being like, man, this is so much fun to just drink these wines with you in this like cozy booth and, you know, go to sleep without like the drunk spins and then wake up the next morning yeah. feeling pretty fresh. And I definitely fell in love with it because my husband loved it. And then I sort of started branching out from where he began. So like his roots were definitely in the Loire. Mm -hmm. And he had experimented with some other stuff from Georgia and Spain. But I was the one that sort of was like, whoa, like we got to really, we got to like knock this out of the park. And like, for example, we didn't even have that much domestic stuff in the beginning. Right. And there's a lot of cool crap happening out here. I and, agree. And it's like, I want to support our people, you yeah. know, our countrymen. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel really similarly. We've been buying a lot of really amazing domestic wines, not just California. Yeah. And it's astounding. Like, we brought in—have you had the Miles Garrett wines? I'm such a dork. No. Though. you got to have them. The Riesling might be good with the food, but mm. I, sh I almost brought one, but then I was like, I bet she's already had them. But anyway, for those who want to check it out, Miles Garrett, he's making Sauvignon Blanc, but it's like— the way he approached Sauvignon Blanc, it's like you look at it and it's really cloudy and you think it's going to be one way. Mm. But it turns out to taste completely like fresh and different and not fucked up in a way that's unappealing. Mm -hmm. But like really pure in a way that is hyper appealing. Where is he making wine? He's making it in Humboldt. Oh, yeah. Okay. Really good. They're amazing. Okay. Anyway, Miles Garrett making wine in Humboldt County. But they're really cool and he does like this Riesling blend and then the Sauvignon Blanc he like they skim fermented 50% of it and 50% is direct press and then they mix them together so it's just like not really an orange wine you wouldn't right. call it one but the result is so cool the the thing that sort of excites me about wine I mean there are a lot of things that excite me about wine but the fact that it's like a science experiment as well yeah. and it's chemistry and it's you know if you're following Rudolf Steiner then it's also you know organics and all of these different things and it's just like that part of wine I feel like I'm never going to know 100%, and that's what excites me about it. There's so many unknowns. Right. That, and like, it, unless you lived it for 20 years right. or 25 years, maybe then even some winemakers are like, I only have, like, 10 vintages left in me. Right. I mean, even, you know, there's one winemaker who we work with, and we went out this past summer, and his vines, you know, about a third of them caught on fire from the heat wave. In and, California? In No, sorry, in France. Got in it. Louisiana, and it was like— it was devastating and it was heartbreaking. And we were like, dude, what are you going to do? And he's like, I have no reference for this. Yeah. I have no idea what to, you know, like there's nobody I can talk to about this. And I, I just have never experienced anything like this. So it's like, you know, it's a sad sort of way of saying that like those variables and those different ways of like making wine. Because, yeah, with commercial wine, it's the same thing year after year after year, whether there's brush fires or whether there's, you know, uh, hail and whatever it is, it's always going to be the same thing. But all these outside factors with natural wine, you know, change it from year to year. And that's exciting. Yeah. And the unpredictability of it. It's right. like such a fleeting special thing. Exactly. It's like enjoy it now. Yeah. I don't know. It's sad and it's also so poetic, exciting. Huh? I know. <laughs> okay, backing it up. Sure. Because I think a lot of people like me, and I think about this a lot, like food and wine together. So yeah. night markets tie. Mm -hmm. It can be spicy. Mm -hmm. It's full of flavor. What are the best pairings for Thai food and wine? Because most people will be like beer and Thai right. food, right? Right. Well, the beer thing is like, because if you go to Thailand, all you drink is 
beer, right? Mm. It's really light. It's refreshing. It helps with the spice. You know, in Thailand, there's like absolutely no wine culture there. You know, they don't grow wine. They don't sell wine. The only real wine culture there is like at the club, you'll get a bottle of Moe. <laughs> like, that's it. And so... <laughs> Thai club. <laughs> We've been to a few. It's, oh it's and quite, do you get the bottle of Moe? No, we drink uh, Mekong, which is like Thai whiskey, rum. Got it, got yeah. it. But <laughs> just like thinking about Thai clubs again. But, you know, for me with Thai food, you know, there's like the classic drink something with some sugar to balance out the heat. But I guess I'm saying this partially because like he's my husband, but like the food that's coming out of the kitchen at night market is, is really good. And it's intended to be that flavor profile of really spicy and really salty and sometimes sour and just like pungent, you know, Mm -hmm. and to drink something to sort of take that away. Yeah. It's just so sad to me. And I agree. So I'm like one of those people. I'm like, let's dial it to 11. You know, like let's, yes. you know, with the wine, let's like make it a part of the experience instead of trying to take away from it. So we'll do a lot of skin contact stuff because that's another sort of salty, savory, pungent, aromatic dish that, you know, has, a, you know, like some of these, some of these skin contact wines, they like smell, you know, like, you know, they smell like stone fruit or they smell like these things, but they can also smell like meaty. Yeah, gamey. <laughs> exactly. And it's it's nice to have that as almost another dish on the table. Yeah. I mean, also the style of food that we serve is it's all family style. So the idea is like the dish you get at the beginning will probably still be on the table once you get the final dish. So you're just constantly picking at this just batter feast of food. And so the wine needs to maintain that entire meal. It has to thread through each of the flavors. Exactly. So like no really big, big, reds like these like Chris and I like to joke no fireplace reds you know like no no reds like bearskin rug (laughs) painting a picture for the listeners but it's like popping the cork the cork's like 30 inches long right and it's just like this like dark vanilla of of a wine no nothing like that just like stuff you know one winemaker named Thierry Puzlat and he's uh, known for saying that his favorite wine is a, a wine that he can finish in 10 minutes or less, mm. meaning a bottle can, you know, be it's that, delicious. that quickly. And yeah. like that light and that lively, you know, mm-hmm. that it's not serious, you know, it's just, it's joyful. And that's how we go about picking wines for our list. So like, does it bring you joy when you drink it? You know, does it make you happy? And Condo that shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does this wine spark joy? <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of is what you just— <laughs> Exactly. I, I mean, I agree with you. People come into John and Vinny's. I mean, it's such a different situation because the mm-hmm. other thing I want to touch on is, like, it's harder to write a small list than a big list. And the night market list is, what, yes. like 30 bottles maybe? Right. Yeah. And I started in wine writing a small list. And now because of the wine shop— we have a really big wine list at John and Vinny's. It's everything that's in the shop. But mm-hmm. people are always like, oh, Italian food. I need that big red, Italian red. And I'm like, no, skirt. Like, let's right. take, dial it back. I agree with you. It's like, how do you add to the conversation and not just like mask it? Right. It's so insane what yeah. people think they should do versus what then they actually enjoy doing. Well, it's at the restaurant. So like everybody thinks they should have been drinking beer, right? So they sit down, everybody, you know, plops into their chair and it's like, I'll have a single, I'll have a single, I'll have a single. And I'll stop them and I'll be like, you know, you can go to any Thai restaurant in Los Angeles and get a pet Thai with a singha, but you're at night market. You know, they're at song. They might have waited an hour for a table and you're going to show up and drink something that you could get 
anywhere else in the city, like, it's essentially the Thai Budweiser. <laughs> I'm not here trying to insult people, but I'm also trying to tell them, like, if you waited this long to try Night Market, like, do it right, you know? Like, let's have some fun, you know? Yeah. It's like, let's be a little bit weird. And that's when it sort of clicks when you pour over taste for people and you're like, okay, I know you were thinking Singha, but I really want you to taste this, like, sparkling gamay you know because it's amazing right and then you know the look on a guy's face when you pour him a bubbly <laughs> pink wine and then you start talking about it from you know either a personal place or talking about the winemaker or talking about how well it goes with the food it's like you know the bells and whistles start going off or it's like you know when you do mushrooms for the first time with your mm -hmm. friend and you're like you feel it and yeah. they're like i feel it that's when it's really groovy and sometimes it doesn't hit and that's fine you know and like just get them something else exactly and it's totally fine that's something that lou taught me really early on was like there's always going to be something on your list for everybody you just have to listen to the guest you know and ask questions and you know, they might want, you know, an oaky Chardonnay or like a really floral Sauvignon Blanc and you might not have that, but you can get them to the place where they do want what you offer. It's just about listening. But you'll have something else that they probably like. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, I don't like sweet wine in general. Mm. So I don't pair. People mm. are like, what's with spicy? I'm like, not sweet. Yeah. Get weirder. Okay, everyone get weirder. And then we're going to taste this rosé. Cool. Okay, so... Winter rosé. I don't know. Everyone's like, winter rosés. They're darker in color. Rosé is such a misunderstood segment of wine. Mm, We've talked about it a lot yeah. on this podcast because it's seasonal. It comes out like at a certain time of year mostly, but then there's other rosés that really are interesting. So this one is Norella Mascalese and Norella Capuccio. Oh. Made from like two and a half hectares near Palermo. It's, I mean— it's, it's like sexy. Sexy, salty. Yeah. It's like getting ready on a Saturday night kind of wine. It is. I mean, it's that thing that it's lively. It's energetic. It's almost like a really, really, really light red. Yeah. You know? it's, yes. This is what I want with like spicy fusilli. You know, like this is. this. <laughs> you, is, and you can have it because <laughs> we have it. I don't want, you know, like the, like I said, a fireplace, like big red wine with pasta. You yeah. Know? Pasta's already gonna, it's pretty heavy, you know, it's got, it's got like a rich sauce, it's already decadent. It's like to have something that sort of lifts the mood and lifts the dish, it's like, that's a pairing that I love. It's a partner in crime. Exactly. I mean, to me, the customer drinking habits have changed so drastically in the last five years even, but 10 years has been crazy. Where do you see this going? Like, do you guys talk about that in your mini night market empire <laughs> of, I mean, I'm so curious what else you guys are going to do, like, in food. But for me, I'm just like, how far can this go? Like, well, yeah, how are people going to just keep loving skin contact, orange wine? Like, where else could it go? Or are yeah. they going to discover, like, oh, dark rosé? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, five years ago, we would have never predicted what's happening yeah, today. that's true. And it's nuts because I remember when I was first helping out at Night Market, there wasn't a lot of natural wine coming to L.A. We were like this ugly like stepchild that nobody wanted to sell wine to. And we just got, like, all of the leftovers that New York and San Francisco didn't want. <laughs> the dregs. Exactly. Like, literally. <laughs> or the ones that were, like, slightly more production. So there right. was more of them but right. not the like coveted yeah stuff. and it's just like to see now that we're able to get like even I'm just so excited like some of these first bottles that I tried back in the day it's like wait you mean I can get more than a case yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they come in magnums too yeah. and it's like I'm like a kid on Christmas and 
you know, like I'm so excited about the fact that there's, you know, there's more wine available. There's more wine coming to Los Angeles. There's more people making natural wine. There's more, there's just more, 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 more. But it's also concerning because it's, you know, every single restaurant that's opening is like, X food with natural wine. It's so crazy to it's me. It's so crazy. It's insane. I'm like, I'm like, it feels insane to me. It is. And I think especially in a city like Los Angeles where everybody's on their wellness, plug natural before wine and everybody's going to love it. Everybody's going to be like, this is the, you know, this is the next thing I'm excited about. You know, just like I'm so excited about like microplaning and like all, whatever it is that people do for <laughs> wellness, juicing and you know, Wait, is microplaning a thing? Is like, microplaning or is it microblading? Micro, no, microblading's the eyebrows, yeah. I think. But there's the one where you do it on your face. Oh, and it like oh, they blade. You blade. Yeah. I oh, I literally have like a zester in my mind, and someone's like face. <laughs> I mean, look, I love uh, all of that stuff. I love. Sh- yeah, like, we love wellness and we love beauty. I love going and getting yeah. Reiki. I love like yeah. all of that. I have a bunch of crystals in my house yeah. that I think, you know, help. They, they heal you. <laughs> But at the same time, it's just like it's look, for lack of a better word, it's a trend, you know, Mm -hmm. and what happens to trends, they they can fizzle out. And that's the thing that's like, is this just like the craft beer? You know, it's you can look at it one way and get really depressed and sad about it, or you can get really excited about the fact that there are, you know, ex-sommeliers now making wine outside of Kals. Because they were just like fed up of the, you know, the restaurant machine. They throw up their hands and they're like, screw this. I'm going to go make wine now. And they make really amazing wines. And like that's, you know, everything. It's just that circle of life thing, I guess. And yeah, I think like five years from now, six years from now, I don't know, you know, where Night Market will be if we'll, you know, expand beyond Los Angeles or I mean, I want to be in the valley. <laughs> I love the valley. Do it. I love the valley. Um, night market, the valley. I know. Well, the night market. I mean, we, yeah, I think the valley is not not a good idea. Well, yeah. I mean, I just, I know so many people who are moving out there and they're desperate yep. for just like good food and good wine and like not to knock on what's currently happening in the valley, but it's the same thing like any other neighborhood we're in, Silver Lake, West Hollywood, Venice. It's like there's always room for more. Right. You know? And yeah, I don't know. That excites me. I look, I love that moment where the guest is turned on by the wine and it's like one person out of on a Saturday night, 250, 300 people is turned on by something new. Yeah. That makes it worth it. You I'm know? so excited. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Last wine. So Sanye Rosso, which is usually for rosé, mm-hmm. Aldo Viola. We'll put this all in the show notes. Y'all. Don't worry. Helen's got you covered. It's all going to be okay. Again, Norello, yeah. but so delicious. I love this wine. Can you tell the peeps? Because you opened an art gallery two months ago? Yeah, about a month ago now. Yeah, wow. a little over a month ago. But we opened an art gallery next door to our Venice restaurant. And that, you know, that happened because, well, we had the space next door. <laughs> <laughs> Circumstance. Yeah, I love things that are convenient. But Chris was in art before he took over his parents' restaurant. He was a oh. photographer's assistant in New York, you know, like ran with art crowds. I went to an art school. So we're sort of, we feel comfortable there. You know, we feel comfortable around art. We're excited by it. We like looking at pretty things and, you know, going to museums and galleries when mm, we visit other too. cities. And look, when you're 
on vacation in Barcelona with a chef. It's two lunches and three dinners. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to find ways to walk. <laughs> and so yeah. we'll walk we'll walk in museums or we'll walk to different galleries and maybe walk to shops and buy some souvenirs. But the gallery was a chance for us to, you know, work with a dear friend who's in the art world out in New York and to bring people together like the restaurants do. You oh, know, cool. it's that thing where yeah. we have artists from LA, we have artists from New York. The neighborhood of Venice has a lot of artists still living there and working there, but definitely less than previous years, you know, just getting priced out, which is yeah. really sad. It's but a huge, huge issue. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive. Yeah. And, you know, being an artist, it's not like, you know, with restaurants, you can sort of predict how much money is going to come in, you know, like maybe, you know, certain months, it's a little slower. But for the most part, you know what you're getting yourself into. Artists, it's really unpredictable. But when we opened, we had this big party and it was like everybody was drinking Budweiser's and hanging out and, you know, spilling into the sidewalk. And a lot of the neighbors came up to me and they're like, hey, you know, I just want to tell you thank you so much for bringing more art to the so to awesome. the West Side. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was really touching because that's part of the reason why they either moved there or stayed there was because they liked that creative energy that was there. Oh, you yeah. guys are doing it right. What's the name of the gallery? <laughs> the name of the gallery, I should have said that first, is called La Maximum. La Maximum. La Maximum. And, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of this moment at the at the party where everybody was having a really great time and we all went next door for dinner and we were like dancing at the restaurant. And Chris, my husband, kept saying, it's the maximum, not the minimum. You know, <laughs> like we've just got to, you know, turn it up. Every single thing that we do there is going to be dialed to 11 and just to the extreme. I love it. Um, there's an Instagram. So it's the maximum Venice. And that's where Chris will post either pieces from the artists or upcoming shows, parties, things like that. We love using the space just to throw down with friends. We yeah. had uh, Tacos 1986. Ugh, the best. Make some tacos Sunday night. And people just came out because it was freeze weekend. And I we love just it. like drank beachy and, <laughs> and ate tacos. <laughs> That's it was perfect. Fantastic. Yeah. It was really swell. We will be there the next one. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much. Are we really finished? I know. <laughs> yes, I know. I could talk to you for literally hours. I know. I love catching up with I you. I know. This is really catching swell. up on Wine Face. But for people who want to eat Night Market, but you don't live here, you have a cookbook. We do have a cookbook. You could make crispy rice at home. It's been done. And I've seen the pics. I've never done it. So if you live in the middle of nowhere, get the Night Market cookbook. And we'll also... Put all the wines we tasted in the show notes. And thank you, Sarah, so much for thank coming. You. First of many visits, I hope. This was way this fun. Was so rad. Yay. Awesome. Yo, isn't Sarah just the best? One of the most eloquent, just spirited women I know. I'm so happy she came on the show. Follow along on their Instagram at Night Market and you can get more details on what they're up to. I'll also put it in the show notes. Listen, you want some wine? Go to helenswines.com. Join the wine club. If you have ideas about what you want to hear on Wine Face, I hear you. I've heard a few shout outs, so don't worry if if you haven't seen your episode yet, it's coming. If there's a country, if there's a grape, there's something that you're just itching to learn, hit me up in my DMs at Helen's Wines. All inquiries are welcome. And if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. This is Wine Face. We're out. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe, everybody.